Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We love having you here, and it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, now let's get started. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host for the show. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor and have designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Today, we're going to be talking about why we have to teach kids how to play again. Play. Kids love to play. The problem is today is they don't play outside anymore. They play with their iPhones, their iPads, with video games. They're more caught up in sedentary activities. And the interesting thing is we complain all the time about teenage obesity, diabetes, all these problems that keep cropping up with our young people. Well, we got to get them outside more and we have to get them to play. Now, if you go to any playground, you'll find kids not walking and not trotting, but sprinting. Kids love to run fast. And it's that fast running, those bursts of energy that they that they use that really does help keep their weight down and it's a, it's there's scientific evidence that proves the faster you go for a shorter period of time you burn the glycogen in your liver and in your legs and then you're using your food that you take in for energy and you're burning fat because you're burning the glycogen off But this isn't a science lesson. Kids have to be outside and they have to play. On that same playground, you can find two kids having a disagreement over a swing or some other uh, activity where they're arguing about different things. You know, it's my turn. It's you got up last. You know, know, it's my... 
uh, it's my ball, it's this, it's that, all kinds of different things. And the, the issue is, what do adults do when they see it? They want to jump right in and see if they can stop the problem. And it's my contention that we don't need to stop that problem. We need to allow it to go on and let it come to a resolution on the kids' terms. Because this type of conflict or this confrontation that these kids are having is part of normal peer conflict. It should go on. It's not bullying. We should allow it. Now, if it turns into bullying where kids are getting frightened and another kid is dominating another kid, then we've got to jump in. But with normal peer stuff, we have to let that go on and we have to let the kids resolve that on their own, in their own way. And if they need help, they can always come to us so we can help either mediate it, which I don't even like that word, or speak to them about it because little kids may not even understand right and wrong at that point because they're more selfish as a young person and they're as a little person, and they're more self-centered. So we have to begin to instruct them at that point. Now, 50 years ago, 50, if I had 20 cents, an extra 20 cents, I could buy myself what was called a pinky high-bounce ball. You could get them in a candy store. Because, you know, you didn't have dicks, you didn't have Sports Authority. You didn't have Models. You didn't have all these sporting goods stores all over the place. You didn't have Walmart, Target, where you can go in and buy something. They had them in candy stores or Five and Dimes where you can just walk in and they had them laying in a box there. They cost about 20 cents. Now, once I had that ball, all I needed was a wall. So with the ball and the wall, I could play. I could throw the ball up against the wall. And by doing that, by doing that, I could allow my imagination to take me anywhere I wanted to take me. I mean, I could be Tom Seaver. I used to love how he drove off his back leg. Or I could be Jerry Grody throwing runners out at second base. And these are all my Met heroes that I'm talking about. I could be Ron Swoboda diving for a ball in the 69 World Series. If you never saw that catch, Google it and watch it on YouTube. Baseball meant a tremendous amount to me, and it still does. It has throughout the years. But more importantly, and this is very important, it's what I learned just by playing the game. We kids learn by playing. We kids learn by playing. See, when I was a kid, I'd get up early and I'd leave my house with a maybe some baseballs and a glove and a bat in my bike basket. I didn't sit around the house. I didn't get on YouTube. My back then your parents would throw you out of the house. They didn't want you underfoot. Eight, ten, twelve. You know, eight years old, they may have kept a little eye on you. You get in around 12 years old, they're throwing you out. They don't want you there. 
and I'd go down to the town park and I would find no one there. Now I had this basket of balls. I had a bat and a glove. So I'd throw one ball in the air and then maybe I'd hit some balls out of my hand. I'd run the bases, then I'd collect the balls. Now finally somebody would show up and we'd have a catch. Then another kid would show up and we took batting practice. And a little while later, a few more kids showed up and we'd choose up sides for a game. This went on all day long. We played baseball all day long. Probably from 9 o'clock in the morning till at least 5 in the afternoon. We always had a couple of bucks on us for a hot dog and a soda. And that's what we did. That's what we did. And if we wanted to stay later, we would. If we had to be home for dinner, sometimes if we were close enough, we'd go home for dinner and come back at 6 o'clock at night and play for another couple hours. Now, the question is, did we all get along? Of course not. Were there fights and arguments, you bet, and were there bullies present? There were. But when the fights and the arguments and the bullying took place, no one left because we all wanted to play. See, that's the key. We wanted to play. We weren't leaving. You weren't going to drive me off this field. You weren't going to force me to leave because you wanted to have a fight or an argument or whatever the case was or bully me. I, I stayed. We solved our own problems and we realized that there was a pecking order in terms of abilities and attitudes and we just accepted it for what it was. And the crazy part is we were even friends with the kids that we didn't agree with or maybe we didn't even like. I didn't have to like you to play with you. I wanted to play. And believe it or not, kids don't know how to do this today. They don't know how to play. The minute there's any skirmish, the minute that there's any disagreement, the, the minute somebody's feelings get hurt, the minute that there's any conflict, they walk away and they have to stay. They should stay because the only way you can learn to resolve that conflict is by staying. In our own way, we understood conflict. And we seemed to leave just enough space between us to disagree. And the key word here is we became resilient. And we realized that we were there for only one reason, and that was to have fun. See, back then, we didn't have any playdates. Mom wasn't calling up some kid to come over and play with me. I found my own friends. And I played with them. I found friends to play with. You know how I did it? You go up to the park and you hang out. I entertained myself through the ball in the air, hit balls out of my hand, had a catch. Finally, somebody shows up. And then more kids show up. Because back then, that's what we wanted to do. 
There were no playdates, no adult supervision. We did it all on our own. You know, where there are no victims, there are no bullies. And believe you me, we've all victimized one another at times, but we learned who we were and who others were as well. We didn't go looking for fights, but we didn't back down from one, even if we knew we were going to lose the battle. I mean, if you get a bloody nose in a fight, so be it. You get dirty on the ground with the kids, so be it. The fight ends, people separate each other. That's the way it worked. We had the ability to compete in many ways, and we took that attitude with us as adults, not with cockiness, but with confidence. We learned. I am 64 years old, and we learned that conflict and confrontation are just part of life, and we learned how to disagree with the right attitude. All from playing. Playing. We played. We had fun. We were out there. We were running around. We were burning those calories. You didn't have a problem with teenage obesity and diabetes back then. Everybody was on their feet, not on a couch, watching a video game or playing with their iPhone or texting someone that lives next door to you. We got the person next door and we played. Didn't have to even be in the park. It could be anywhere. Two kids, one ball, two gloves. Let's have a catch. few more kids, it's batting practice than a crowd, it's a game. That's how it worked. Now, we all need to do our part to help stop bullying, for sure. But to do so, we need to strengthen the victim. And a good place to do this might be on a field with a ball of any kind. Maybe a bat and a glove. Doesn't have to be baseball, could be soccer, basketball, could be anything, could be tennis, golf, anything to get you on your feet. But most of all, we have to teach our kids how to play again. That's the key. It used to be a natural thing to play, now we have to teach them how to do it. My name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. I thank you for listening. Please do me a favor. I need this help. I am going to put a link in the episode description to, to Patreon. Please go there and donate. Donate to the cause. It's Anti-Bullying 101. The link will be right there. It doesn't matter what you donate. Five bucks, ten bucks, doesn't matter. But please take care of that for me. Also visit the website and take care of business and take a look at the products that are there. This podcast relies on small sponsorships, donations, and on products that I sell on my website, www.bullyproofclassroom.com. Go there and support us. We need it. It takes time to produce this. It takes time to research this. It takes time to write stuff for this. And I do it myself, and I need help. And I'm looking to you to help support me and support this podcast. I try to turn out quality podcasts for everyone.
and I thank you if you've already done so. Once again, my name is Jim Burns. Thank you so much for listening to Anti-Bullying 101.